What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guest today is G-Money. G-Money is an investor, trader, and growing voice in the NFT ecosystem. Coming from the world of traditional finance, G-Money brings a wealth of market knowledge into the emergent asset class of NFTs. Everything from spotting trends early to market psychology has helped him navigate the space extremely effectively. We discuss everything markets, like the NFT bubble, how big the bubble will get, why NFTs are going mainstream, and what the next big wave is. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Please enjoy my conversation with G-Money. Before diving into today's episode, I want to briefly talk about our sponsor, Whale Street. Whale Street is a decentralized token swap protocol. They can make huge currency swaps happen, or whale swaps as they're called with very small slippage costs and without crashing the system. They also engineered the largest ever NFT bundle and fractionalized it into the historic V20 tokens. If you want to swap, farm, or find out more, check out whalestreet.xyz. Now let's jump back into the episode. G-Money, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Uh, all right. Well, first off, thank you for having me on. Like, I'm a huge fan of uh, your podcast. I've learned so much from you uh, in the past few months. And, you know, you've definitely dropped so much alpha. And uh, I really thank you for that. So I'm, I'm happy I, I'm, I'm on here now and I can, I can help uh, share my takes. So like a little bit about me, I, um, I'm originally from uh, TradFi, right? Like I came up from the equity markets and in 2017, I was involved in in like the uh, that's when I first got involved in Bitcoin and Ethereum during like maybe halfway through the ICO boom. And it was during that part that like, you know, I got introduced uh, to blockchain for the most part, although I had heard about Bitcoin a couple years earlier uh, and I got involved with that. And, you know, I, I caught that uh, that, I guess, bubble, you could say, you know, my 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 claim to fame or you know my what I'll pat myself on the back for is I sold uh, Bitcoin at 16.9 and uh, you know 10 seconds later I felt like an idiot and then 30 seconds later I felt like a genius so you know I I caught that and 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 then you know like at the time I was like you know blockchain is is great I think it's going to change the world but it's still too early because I was taking an analog to the dot-com bubble and I felt like you know the dot-com bubble you know, in, in the 90s, uh, you had all these valuations and like everything went up and, you know, like pets.com was a great idea. Delivering pet food online was a great idea. The problem was that the American public wasn't ready for it just yet in 1999. And then, you know, 10 years later, it's a, a multi-billion dollar business, you know, so it's and, and I was just drawing that analog where I'm like, OK, blockchain technology is going to change the world. But it's still a couple years away, like, you know, it's still like five to seven years away before you really start seeing it impact tech. So uh, what ended up happening was I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I, I had I had crypto on the radar, but I wasn't actively um, pers- I wasn't actively training it or really involved. And then it was this past summer during DeFi summer that I. Uh, you know, I got back involved. I had some some investments that I made in 2017 that were unlocking. So I caught some of the uh, the DeFi summer. And I remember like it was in August and I heard something about CryptoPunks and I didn't know anything about it. But I'm like, all right, like ignore that. And then um, the way I fell into NFTs was I was on Twitter and somebody was shilling uh, a CryptoKitties Gen Zero founder shard on Niftex. 
and they were like, oh, this is like undervalued. It was valued at like 50 ETH, uh, which at the time ETH was at around 500 bucks. And so they were like, all right, like, you know, this thing's an easy two or three X in a week. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like I did my DD, which was literally just reading this shill. And then I went and I bought the NFTX, uh, the, sorry, the Crypto Kitty Shard on Niftex. And uh, it immediately traded down 50%. And I was like, all right. And there was no liquidity to get out. And so I was like, all right, I can either, the way Niftex works is it, you have a shotgun clause. So I could offer to buy everybody out at a certain price or, and they could turn around and buy me out at that price. So I was like, all right, if I got my money back, I'd be fine with it. And, you know, I actually did some research this time and I saw on OpenSea that uh, like crypto kitties were worth maybe like 75 to 100 ETH. So I was like, all right, if I can buy this out at cost, you know, I'll flip it for like 10 ETH or something. And if I get bought out at cost, I'm cool with that too. And I'll move on. So during that two week buyout, I found NiftyFi and I was like, oh, cool. Like I can post it as collateral as a loan. And, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I was in, I'm also like very much of the belief that like you have to try something to really understand how it works and learn it. So I was like, all right, I'll post this as collateral uh, and just see how much I could get. And I was like, if I got like, you know, half, half of what I put in back, like, you know, I'd, I'd test it out and just see how it goes. So uh, once the buyout was complete, I posted the asset on NiftyFi. And uh, within a few days, somebody offered me uh, 50 ETH for it, which was what I paid for it. And so I was like, all right, no, like I'd rather get the, the loan and die because I don't want to have to pay you back in ETH. And so like I paid a little bit extra uh, interest rate and, you know, the person gave me the loan in DAI. I turned around $25,000 in DAI. I turned around, I bought ETH with it uh, at like 550, something like that. So like, you know, then I was obviously a levered position. I had, I still had my crypto kitty and I still had, um, and I, and I went long ETH and I was like, wow, I'm like, this is really cool. And it wasn't like, that was the first time since the first time I used Ave over the summer where I was like, dude, this is gonna change the world. Like this is what this does for capital efficiencies, insane. So I then that's really what kind of like got me started going down like the NFT rabbit hole. And I've been like down it ever since. Love that. Okay, okay. So could you explain to me what you meant by like, okay, crypto is actually a game changer when you're using Aave and kind of taking out these loans and doing all this stuff because you're from traditional finance. So you know more than me because I was never involved in traditional finance. So I grew up like, I guess, crypto native, I guess you'd say. What was like the aha moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like this stuff is amazing. Like, like just tell me about that, the processes that you were doing. And then could you go to their kind of traditional counterpart and explain why the crypto version is so much better? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the first time I used Aave, you know, I posted ETH as collateral and then I took out, and again, like I was very much like tinkering around just because I wanted to see how these protocols work because I thought that we'd be have another few years before we actually had a working protocol but like you know like you know the site looked amazing and it was very easy to use and I'm like all right cool and like the thing that blew my mind with Ave and Compound uh, is that you could get a collateralized loan with no KYC in less than five minutes and that literally blew my mind because there there's no analog to that in TradFi, right? Like if you wanted to get a mortgage, it takes, you know, weeks, if not months. 
even if you wanted to get margin, a margin loan on your stock trading account that takes at least like one or two days. And you have to, you know, you have to KYC, you have to give all your information, you have to give your investment objectives and all of this. So like, when I saw that, I'm like, this is, you know, this is a permissionless protocol. And I was like, this is incredible. And it's scalable down to like the smallest level, right? Like you can take out a loan for a hundred bucks, for 10 bucks, whatever, you know, whatever it is net of transaction costs. Whereas in the real world, like, people usually scale up, right? So it's like, if you're below a certain threshold, you know, the, you can't really um, utilize these principles, right? So like the first time I used Aave, like my mind was blown. And I was that's when I was like, wow, like the promise of crypto is here, you know? And then like the next evolution of that was with NFT5, where, you know, it's like the capital efficiency, right? Like imagine if, you know, like it, it's, it's tough because I don't think... Uh, we're living deep enough in the metaverse yet, but like, you know, imagine a world in a future where you have a Fortnite skin and you can get like a loan for like two weeks or something for whatever reason. And, you know, you can pay it back right away uh, within two weeks. Like, it, it's just like the implications of it to me are just astounding and amazing. And it makes me so bullish on crypto. All right, so what was it about NFTs that really got you excited? Were you looking at it more of a an asset that you can trade or was it more of like, okay, there's like, some interesting use cases here. You got art, you got gaming, you got, I don't know, virtual land. Like what was kind of the thing that attracted you to the NFT markets? So uh, on the first day of quarantine last year, I bought a PlayStation. I hadn't played a video game in over 10 years. And because I was like, the only way I'm gonna survive is by, you know, getting a video game because I could only watch so much Netflix. So, you know, I do that. I had every intention of playing FIFA and Madden and sports games. And uh, for some reason, I was like, I want to I want to check out Fortnite because I had read so much about it. And so I download Fortnite. Uh, I play like one or a few games with my friends and their nephews. And, you know, their nephews are like 10, 10 to 12 years old around there. And the first thing they would all of them, the first thing that they would ask was, do you have any skins? What skins did you buy? And I was like, skins, like, do they give me any special powers? And they're like, no, I'm like, so that's stupid. Like, there's no way I'm going to I'm going to buy a skin. You know, you fast forward like one or two months and I bought like a couple hundred dollars worth of skins because I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I, I'm buying them all. And, you know, I didn't know what NFTs were at the moment, but like I realized, you know, like interacting with these kids is that, holy shit, these kids view digital assets today the way that I view like a t-shirt or a hat or sneakers, you know, like there's no extra utility between, you know, a high end between Nike and, you know, uh, New Balance, right? But there, but there's a difference in price, right? You could argue about materials and stuff like that, but like generally for the most part, they have the same functionality. And so, you know, I actually, I extrapolated that out and I'm like, all right, so like these kids are 12 years old today. But in 10 years, they're going to be productive members of society with incomes that they can use as they want. And it's more, more than likely that they'll be spending that money on digital assets because it's intuitive to them. You know, like when I talk to people right now and I talk to them about digital assets, the people that I don't need to explain it to are like teenagers because they get it right away. The people that have a really hard time understanding it are like literally anybody over the age of like 30, 35 where they're like, I don't get it. So, you know, that w that made me super bullish on it, on like the super cycle and like, um, you know, that pretty much NFTs are, are here to stay the long term, right? Uh, we could be in like a short term bubble uh, because I think the narrative is so good, but 
the super cycle is there you know like you're gonna you're gonna as more people spend more of their lives online and in the digital world they will be spending more in that world okay so what do you do now would you say that your job is like a full-time crypto nft trader or yeah just kind of what do you do today okay so yeah the majority of my day is spent on crypto you know i i do spend a little bit uh in the mornings on tradfi but i'd say like 85 to 90 percent of my day is spent on crypto both DeFi and nfts but more and more with a focus on nfts awesome okay so do you know so you know nfts they're, they're super diverse there's so many different types of categories and types of nfts what do you think are the main value drivers to nfts because unlike something like ave which is like a protocol and you know maybe it has some fees or you know there's some sort of yield generation there you can kind of value it a lot of nfts are like art or collectibles and they don't they don't generate a yield so it's hard to kind of value so in in your opinion like how do you value nfts and what are the main value drivers so i think it depends on what the nft is right so it's like if you have and i, I believe you wrote about it last week where it's like um if you have an asset that generates yield right like it's it's kind of easy to value it right and so that can kind of almost put a price ceiling on it but if you have a value an asset that doesn't generate yield and it's kind of like um you, it, it makes it tough to value right so like it's almost like the sky is the limit and that's kind of what really attracted me to punks uh especially because when i was like when i started hanging out in nfts and i started hanging out in all these discords i quickly and again like i wasn't a big punk guy like when i first got in because i was like oh like i miss it i want to find the next punks that was my original intention and it wasn't until i spent some time in the discords that i realized that some of the most knowledgeable people some of the people that were like the most og in the game they all had punks and I realized that like, just like in Fortnite, the the way people would wear skins, cause like, I remember there'd be a couple times like we're playing in a game and we'd see another like group of, uh, another group of, another team of kids and we'd go and start attacking them. And then we're like, oh my God, that guy has like an OG skin. That means he's really good. Like, let's try to like run away, right? And um, I realized like the same thing happened with punks and in the metaverse, right? Cause like right now, the quote unquote metaverse is Twitter, discord telegram right so it's like how do you show your face to the world it's through your avatar right through your through your profile picture so like one of the coolest ones was like punks right like the most og guys have them the most knowledgeable guys have them the most successful guys in nfts have them so i was like oh like this is almost like it's like a status symbol right it's like wearing a rolex watch driving a lamborghini but it's digital, right? Because it's like, if I were to take a picture of the cool watch that I bought and made it my profile picture, that's not really that cool, right? But like, you know, if I have this cool crypto punk and, you know, maybe only a certain segment of society knows what it is and how special and how rare it is, but like, those are my peers. So they will understand it, right? So it's, it's almost like a way to... Um, display social status in a way and that's kind of really what clicked for me because i was seeing it happen on like you know the gaming level and you, you see it happen in like in real life with with people in social circles yeah that's a super interesting concept because like you can't really flex your like stocks really like i, I guess in theory you could like you know screenshot your portfolio and post it but that would be kind of weird and people would be like what is this guy doing but if you you know buy a punk and then change your avatar to that punk that like means something and it's like a, it's like a true 
flex, but it's also like a fun thing. And it's like, okay, he's in the know. He's like kind of cool. Maybe he's OG, whatever. Um, and that's like a whole different kind of aspect to the NFT markets that crypto and traditional finance don't have. It's like this like kind of social status, social signaling uh, of these assets. Do you think that the main value driver going forward in the NFT space is going to be more of on the um, kind of the social status sig- signaling side? Or do you think it's going to be a lot more of the like true fundamental value based off of like yield? You know, your your sword can kill so many monsters. Therefore, you generate like 100 bucks a day if you kill X, X amount of monsters or whatever. It, it, like, yeah, which side do you think it's going to be more of the st- status signaling or kind of the actual yield generation from these different games and platforms? So I think it's going to be both. Um, and I think it's going to be, it's going to, I think just like in the real world, right? Like a, a watch is different than a mortgage, right? Like a mortgage is a financial instrument and a watch is, you know, it could be a luxury item or an everyday good. And they're both NFTs, but they both serve different purposes, right? So when I think about it, I'm like, sure, like you will definitely have your assets that get um, valued in your traditional, you know, cash flow and you know, uh, re- re- traditional valuation metrics. But I think you will also have um, these like luxury goods, these luxury brands that will tell, you know, say something about who you are as a person and what matters to you, right? So it's like maybe right now one could be punks, but you know, for sure, there's definitely going to be uh, different projects, different brands that that are born that are crypto native that will say different things about you, right? Uh, And I think right now we're in the super early stages of people just figuring out what to do with NFTs. And the beautiful thing about it, I think, is that you can be as creative as you want to be. You know, like right now it's a bunch of artists, but I I think in the future you're going to have, like after the creators are in, like you're going to have like a lot of things come on chain. You're going to have like mortgages on chain, like real estate on chain. Like I think the use case is humongous from here so i think just like in the real world you have different assets that are valued different ways you're going to have different like um subdivisions of nfts valued differently that definitely makes a ton of sense all right so which category of nfts are you most excited about and which category of nfts do you think is a little bit too overhyped right now okay so i really do like like the antique collectibles, I guess. So like, let's say CryptoPunks, Glyphs, um, you know, a lot of the early projects that were started in, in 2017, 2018. I think what we're going to see, I, I, I personally think that 2021 is going to be to NFTs, what I see, what 2017, let me restart that. Uh, I personally think that 2021 is going to be the year of the NFT, the same way that 2017, 2018 was the year of the ICO. Totally. And you're going to see so many people coming to market and you're starting to see it already where, you know, you get like the Logan Pauls and a lot of celebrities trying to cash in on their on their fame and uh, it's going to dilute the market. Right. Um, But and just like in in any market, right, there's going to be people coming in to take advantage and have a cash grab. But you really have to like, you know, dig in and like do your work and find find the projects that are actually building something sustainable right so i think we're probably in i'd say the beginning to mid stages of of the bubble because i'm sure every celebrity is going to try to come out with their own nft this year 
and at some point there's going to be saturation and dilution but i think through that you're going to find like just like in 2017 right you're going to find projects that will make it and that are building something of value long term okay so yeah that kind of brings the question like are we in a bubble because i i hear both ways that people are saying no this is just getting started like the total addressable market here is gigantic so there's no way we're in a bubble but then on the other side i hear a lot of people say no we're definitely in a bubble like Logan Paul or whoever just sold, you know, uh, he, you know, he, he was opening the Pokemon pack cards and he sold moments of him actually opening up the pack. So it's like, not only did he sell the packs as NFTs, but also he sold moments of them and everyone's making millions of dollars left and right. So yeah. What are your thoughts? Are we in a bubble? So I think we're at the beginning to mid stages of a bubble. Uh, I think bubbles generally are uh, a positive reinforcement of a good long-term story, right? So what I was saying earlier about that super cycle of the world eventually going more and more digital each and every year, especially as you have y- the younger generation uh, start to have spending power, right? Like that's that's a beautiful long-term story. And I think what ends up happening is when pe- the more people that uh, listen to that story and you know they believe that it's true, they start getting excited about NFTs. So then asset prices get bid up. So I think we are in a bubble and that bubble could very well pop. I don't know when it will happen. It could, you know, uh, they, there's a famous saying in the markets that markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So it's one thing to keep in mind is like we could be in a bubble and it could last two more weeks. It could last two more years. It, we really don't know. But I do think that ultimately, even if and or when the bubble does pop, the long-term story is still there. So yeah, I, I you know thousand percent agree with that, obviously. But but so do you think that crypto is actually no? Sorry, NFTs are correlated with the broader crypto markets. So if if crypto started to go down tomorrow, do you think? And let's let's say what we're at, like let's call it forty-five k Bitcoin today. Let's say Bitcoin, you know, just just crashes down to twenty k and stays down there for another you know six months. Do you think that the, the activity, would that kind of burst the, the bubble on NFTs? Or do you think that because NFT people are buying NFTs for such different reasons versus crypto, do you think that the markets would ju- just kind of march on? Uh, yeah, so I definitely think they're cor- I, I think NFTs are correlated to not only crypto, but also to risk assets in general. So I would say that there's probably a high correlation to the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ uh, to NFTs for the reason that I think that Never before have we ever seen central banks around the world print so much money in so little time, right? And so because of that, you have all this money trying to find these different scarce assets, right? Whether it be Apple stock, uh, the S&P 500, Bitcoin, NFTs, um, you know, like just things that are scarce, you know, like uh, real estate, like all these things to me are the same kind of trade. Top shots, they're all liquidity driven trades that are looking for scarce assets to put their money in. So I think that like if we do see a sustained downturn in crypto and in risk assets in general, that NFTs will definitely uh, follow suit. Like my part of my thesis for getting involved in NFTs was I like the reflexivity of it in the sense that if Bitcoin were to 10x from here, I think that high value NFTs would not only 10x, but there would be some extra multiple on there, right? Because, and the reason for that was like, all right, and I'm gonna use CryptoPunks as an example, is let's say I made $100 million off Bitcoin uh, this year, and I wanted to buy you know, an elite level CryptoPunk. Like 
because I made so much money, I'm more willing, you know, the crypto rich uh, argument that's always used, like I'm, I'm going to be much looser with how I spend my money, especially if it's in the crypto ecosystem. So the difference between paying like, you know, two million and three million dollars when you've made that much money isn't that significant. Right. So I, I my thesis on NFTs is always was always that there'll be so much more price reflexivity on the upside and both the downside. Okay, so so that being the case or that being your thoughts, are you kind of thinking in these markets on a, a kind of a shorter term, uh, time horizon? Are you thinking like multi-year? Are you thinking kind of you know month to month? Um, I think there's, I put, I have two different baskets that I'll put stuff in. Uh, some are trades that, you know, I'm riding the cycle, but then also some are, are long-term investments, right? And uh, part of, my my uh, strategy is like, you know, like when I feel like prices might get a little too overheated, maybe I'll sell some and, you know, some other stuff like, uh, again, like maybe I'm like, oh, well, I'll never see that price again. Maybe it's better to hold on to it. Long story short is that, you know, I, I try to remain as versatile as possible. All right. So what do you think it takes to succeed in the NFT markets? Because, I mean, these are 24-7 global markets that are super weird and diverse and new. So yeah, what do you think it takes to, to, to be be like a top player in these markets? I think you just, like, it's literally like a lot of like just being in discords, being in telegrams, talking to people, understanding what's going on, the projects that are coming up, uh, the things that are interesting. And like one of the things I always ask myself when I'm looking at new projects is, you know, what makes this thing special? Like, is this a cash grab? What are they trying to do with, you know, if they raise money, what are they, what's the project going to do with it, right? Like, is it just going to go in the creator's pockets? Because, you know, there and, and that's fine sometimes, right? Like, if I want to buy um, a, uh, a Beeple and that just goes in Beeple's pocket, that's totally fine because I'm buying his artwork, right? But if, let's say, I'm trying to buy uh, this ecosystem that's trying to create a game, like, I want to make sure that that money's going back into the development of the ecosystem, right? Uh, so, I mean, I just think a lot of it is just, you know, it, it's a grind, just like any other business or market is like, you really have to stay in touch with it. And like, you know, I, I know when I'm, when I'm away from my phone or my computer for like three to six hours, it, you know, it takes me like at least an hour, sometimes a few to catch up on everything. And I'm sure the same thing happens to you. Yeah, I, I tweeted out the other day that, my computer broke for like 24 hours and uh and i i have my desktop and stuff like that so i wasn't totally disconnected but but i you know i bring my my laptop everywhere and so for, for that period of time i was off getting it repaired and when i came back it was like a 24 hour stretch where i like wasn't really too plugged in and it felt like i was like what what just happened like i felt like i was like missed out on everything but yeah it's, it's these markets move really fast so it, it is it is pretty crazy all right so do you think that you have a competitive advantage in these markets and if so where do you think that that competitive advantage comes from? Uh, so, yeah. So I think the fact that I've been involved in uh, public markets for the last 20 years gives me an advantage in understanding the psychology of a marketplace and uh, how, let's say, the public is generally thinking and getting a good feel on that pulse based on not just price action, but I guess like conversations that I'll have with people and things like that. So I think that like that's um, a unique skill set that I bring uh, to the table for for my investing and trading, uh, and you know that's just experience from being involved in it uh, on a on a much larger scale, I guess, because it's you know public markets are generally much more liquid. 
but you've seen, uh, but you still see the the range of emotions, right? Um, both the highs and the lows uh, in in the price action, regardless of how liquid or illiquid something is. So, who do you think will be the most dominant players in these markets going forward? And then also, do you think that you know, on you know, let's say 10, 20 years or whatever, these markets, the NFT markets, will be dominated by like quantitative types, you know, like quant funds and kind of people doing data analysis and stuff like that, or will it be just a lot of continue to be a lot of hobbyist creators and, and kind of, you know, quote unquote, like normal people? So I think that's a really good question. And I think that in the short term, you're going to see mostly like hobbyist creators and, and normal people uh, as as actors. But and I think I bet the first place we see quants is in NBA Top Shot, right? Because you've already seen uh, people like doing analysis, people maybe people are trading top shots like their futures on a player, right? So people are like, oh, they had a last few, and I, I've seen this a couple of times where people are like, oh, they've had a lot, uh, a good run the last few weeks. Uh, they have like an easy schedule coming up, and like I think this player is going to outperform, and whatever their reason is, right? And I think you're going to see much more of that um, money ball quant type analysis. Uh, most I. At first and foremost, in and in, in the NBA Top Shot, just because I think there's a lot of analysis going on already, right? So it's like you, it's very easy to port that from, let's say, like gambling or you know player statistics or daily daily fantasy sports, and applying that to some a marketplace like Top Shot. I think it'll take longer and it'll be harder, and it, you you're gonna need much more data points to do it on like artwork or. You know, in-game assets will probably be uh, very easy to to get quantified at some point. But again, I think you just need more historical data. And but I think uh, NBA Top Shots is ripe for it just because there's already so much data that's been stored uh, and saved on these different players that was already used for other things that will be ported over to uh, to Top Shot. And you'll probably see that like across all sports collectibles digital collectibles going forward all right so how do you personally think about brand building because um i, I know that you know you you jumped on the scene in uh, i mean your twitter handle uh, in september of 2020 and you've just like grown incredibly fast so i just want to know what you think about brand building and how you think just having a brand impacts uh kind of your activities in this market it's interesting because the the thing that really when i got involved in nfts and i was originally like all right like i want to create something like you know, let me, you know, see, get my creative juices flowing and, and see what I can do. But I wanted to learn the space more. And I remember, I specifically remember the night that Beeple dropped, the night of the open edition drop in December. I was at dinner with maybe four or five uh, crypto people. And they none of them, none of them were sold on NFTs. They were like, NFTs are dumb, like they're a waste of time, they're just collectibles, this and that. And within like, I'd say 15 to 20 minutes, I was able to convince all of them at the table to buy the Beeple drop, right? And they all bought like, I think one, uh, I was buying multiple. I like literally went into the car and <laughs> logged onto my computer and just tried to mint as many as I could for five minutes. But I realized like after that interaction that I'm like, okay, like I can explain it in terms that I can convince somebody to change their mind, like do a 180 or let's say a 90 degree turn um, where they're almost, they don't think NFTs are dumb anymore to being like, okay, like I see a use case there. So when I was, you know, when I was thinking about that and like, I was like, all right, so then like, what's the best way that I can kind of leverage my thought process 
um, to help to try to turn as many to red pill quote unquote as many people as possible. And then I was like, all right, like I'm going to focus on Twitter, right? And just you know preach my truth that I see and why I think these things make sense. And maybe it resonates with people, and maybe it doesn't. And I mean, I think that like my viral growth that's happened since I bought uh, my ape kind of proves that all right, like I'm I'm. I'm explaining it in a way that maybe is starting to make more sense to more people, which is kind of the whole reason I really started um, the brand and the online identity, right? Because because I wanted to to help people understand it and see it more the way I did. All right. So, do you think that having this brand kind of impacts your ability to um, I don't know, like like get, get into get into deals or get information or kind of you know when people see oh it's G money like cool this is awesome like let, let's chat. Like, does it kind of open doors for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely think uh, it has opened doors. Uh, and I'm really grateful for it because I think it's given me opportunities that if maybe I had remained quiet, uh, I wouldn't have had. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm super grateful for it. And I think it's one of those things where people uh, see that maybe bringing me on as an investor, I can help spread the word and put it in like maybe a uh, more understandable uh, terms that like what makes sense to me and help people understand it and maybe it makes sense to them and they get adoption faster. Love that. Okay, so I asked you this question before, um, not while we were not recording, but uh, do you think that the the current hype and right now we're we're recording it March first, twenty twenty one. Do you think the current NFT hype is is slowing down at all, or do you think like you know I, I you know you did mention before that we're kind of in the uh, beginning or middle of this NFT bubble, but I'm talking about like the, the current um, kind of mania that, that that's surrounding a, a lot of not necessarily price action, but a lot of the exposure. So like you have, you know, uh, like I, I feel like everyone's talking about NFTs. Like Reuters just you know released their their kind of little article on NFTs, which which was like trending on Twitter. And then um, you have you just have every I feel like movie star, big artist now kind of talking about NFTs, NFTs, and YouTubers as well. So. Do you think the hype is dying down or do you think that it's going to continue to accelerate? And also on top of that, I'd love to know about your opinion on what the what this uh, Beeple Christie's auction is going to do to the space in terms of hype. Uh, so, yeah. So I think the hype is building. Uh, I think from the conversations I've had with people, you know, I've been on the phone, I think, for like six to eight hours a day every day for the last like two, almost three weeks of talking to people that are, you know, either they have a famous person that wants to do something, they want to learn about it, they want to learn how to invest, they want to learn how to position themselves. I think that if there's any maybe slowdown that we're experiencing right now or perceived slowdown, it's because I think people are trying to figure out how to go to market with maybe their their personal NFTs or their collectibles or whatever it is. Uh, so I think hype is building personally. I think... Uh, that, but with that, you have to, as an investor or a collector, you have to have more increased caution because there's going to be so many projects that are coming online and you're going to have to be much more discerning, right? Like I think what you're seeing maybe on, on platforms like Nifty where pretty much every project that you, every drop that you buy is like immediately in the money. I don't think, I don't know how much longer that lasts for, right? Because I think there's just going to be too much product coming on the market and you know people's pockets are only so deep right like you can you can only buy so much so i think that that's that as a collector or an investor you really have to start being much more discerning with how you allocate your your funds right uh, i think probably the easiest money 
is probably gone from the space because we've seen such a, a huge run up already. But that doesn't mean there's not more money on the table um, for, for collectors looking for appreciation. With regards to Beeple, um, I am fairly bullish and I'll, I'd say very bullish on the Christie's auction. I think uh, you're talking about something that's going to be uh, probably record break. I mean, it's already record breaking in the sense that it's the first digital NFT to be auctioned that's accepting uh, Ethereum as uh, as payment. I think uh, Blau's drop that happened over the weekend is setting like a really good precedent for what could be happening in Beeple next week. You know. I, and I pointed this out on my Twitter today where, you know, the high bid in the Blau drop on Saturday was around $50,000 going into the last hour, and it ended at $3.6 And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to extrapolate that out to, to the people because obviously you're talking about much higher numbers, but you're probably not really going to see any insanity in, in the bidding war until the last, definitely the last day, but maybe not even until like the last hour. And I think it could get pretty crazy. So, I mean, I, I you know, and I think it's almost like a, a come up its moment for for the space in the sense that you know, like it it really is. If it hasn't caught the mainstream's attention yet, it will catch everybody's attention. I think with with whatever number it gets sold for. Yeah. No. I I hundred percent agree with that. I so okay. So right now the the people piece I think is at like. What three point six? I haven't looked at it today, but what is it at right now? The last I saw was three. Okay, three. Okay, so 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 that, that's probably more accurate. So so you like I mean just guessing here, right? Just hypotheticals. Are you thinking that we could break ten million for this piece? I initially thought like breaking five million would be very bullish and really good, and like I kind of think we break fifteen. To be ah. honest, like I'm. I, I just from like what I'm seeing and like the way people are, are are just like it's an historic it's an historic auction right so I, I mean yeah I mean I don't want to sound too bullish but you know I I feel like you know I was taking uh, I've I've taken two polls over the last week on my Twitter the first one was um, I think the high was five million and over fifty percent of responders of the respondents said above 5 million. So then I did a poll a few days later just to like kind of set expectations and the high was above 15 million. And I think still think like 30, 35% of people still said above 15 million. So I, I think, and again, I think because of the element of being able to pay with ether um, allows people to, uh, to, to, to maybe bid it up and I don't know. I I think it's gonna be exciting. I'm definitely gonna be watching it like with with a bowl of popcorn, um, to to see what's going on. You know. Yeah. No. It definitely. I mean. I mean. For me, it's kind of like historic in the sense that um, people was was kind of a he wasn't like an OG in the, in the NFT scene whatsoever, but he was a, a very important and popular artist beforehand, like in in you know quote unquote the mainstream or no, normal world, and then he came in and he's he's obviously insanely talented, right? Um. So so that helped a ton. And he came in and he just started performing really well. And I feel like um, his entrance into the space and this Christie's auction in particular is kind of is kind of like the signifier between okay, this is now 
a major art movement, like digital art, NFT art. This is a thing. There's no there's no questioning it anymore, right? Because we're on Christie's now. You can't go higher than that. Uh, I mean, Sotheby's and Christie's are like the same to me. And so, yeah, to, to own a piece of that history, like, you know, forget Beeple and his brand, but just, just like the, signif- the significance of that to me is like just crazy, right? And, and And you bring up a really good point about people being able to use their crypto to purchase this. Imagine if you had crypto and like, you know, if you had any Ethereum from like what early 2020 or whatever, it was trading at like 300, 300, 400 bucks. And now we're at what today is like 1500. And so, yeah, you have these people that are crypto rich, you know, crypt, crypto wealthy that are just like, hey, you know, I just, you know, my net worth has quadrupled this this uh, past year and I'm going to drop, you know, a, a significant amount of money on this on this people people piece. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be super exciting to watch. I, I'm super, I'm really excited. Yeah, you know, I remember over this past weekend, I was watching the Blau auction as it was as it was ending, and I'm like, oh man, like this is exciting. You know, it's like, man, people is gonna be it's gonna be epic. You know, it's gonna be really epic to watch. All right, so what is the grand vision for everything that you're working on, and what are your plans going forward? It's funny you mentioned that because like I've been like taking a lot of calls over the last few weeks trying to figure out exactly what it is that I want to do. Um, and I'm still open, you know, to ideas and I'm still trying to figure out exactly the way I want to go about the space besides just being a collector and an investor. Um, you know, because I do think like to me personally, I think that like the, the use cases for art and creators is immense. Right. And I think it's going to definitely disrupt that world, but I think that's only the first industry that's going to be disrupted. So like, I'm trying to learn as much about NFTs and the ecosystem as I possibly can right now, because I think that there's going to be bigger and uh, broader industries that are coming, right? It's not just going to be for creators. Creators, this is like the first quote unquote game that we're playing, right? Like we're learning, you know, how to use these tools with uh, art and uh, creators and and people that are, are making products and collectibles and stuff like that. But eventually like, you know, what's to say that we don't have mortgages on chain in five to 10 years? Or, you know, at some point, I think a lot of the real world will be coming in and uh, interacting in some way, shape or form on chain. So for me right now, it's just about learning the space, trying to understand ecosystems way better so that when, um, you know, and, and that's kind of how I approached the space from the beginning, right? Like when I put up when I did the shard on Niftex, when I put the loan up on Nifty Five, like it wasn't necessarily like I didn't need the money. It was more to understand how the protocol works so that at some point in the future, maybe when I did need it or uh, if somebody came to me and they they had this problem, I could, you know, offer them that solution. Right. And be like, hey, I, I, I did this one time. Like, why don't you check that out? And then just having the creativity to, to go cross industry and and help people out with solutions. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm super bullish on the space long term. And I think it's like uh, an inevitability that, you know, we're, that NFTs and the metaverse are here to stay. All right, G-Money. Well, this has been amazing. We could talk for hours, but let's jump into the closing questions. All right. What is your single favorite NFT that you own? Uh, my favorite NFT? I would say it's my twerky Pepe, you know. Really? Um, not your ape? No, not my ape. My, oh, my twerky Pepe, just because, because I remember a couple, a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, there was, you know, this twerky Pepe account that would respond to my posts and they would post this Pepe that was twerking. And like, every time I saw it, like I would laugh and I would smile a little bit. 
So then like after a couple of weeks or a couple of days, you know, I was like, I hit them up and I was like, hey, why don't we do a collab? Like, you know, use my ape and make a twerky Pepe. And he's like, done, let's do it. And then we did it. And, you know, we did the drop on like, I think it was like a Friday night and I tweeted it out. And within 20 minutes, uh, he sold out of like all of his old stuff. And, um, and within 10 minutes, like that, the drop that we did together sold out. And literally wow. within 20 minutes, I think he did about like seven or $8,000 in sales. And he texted me and he was like, you changed my life. Like, you don't understand like what this means to me. Um, it's really like life changing for me. And I was like, wow, like, you know, more than like any of the money that I've made in the space, like that was one of like the best moments I think I've had in crypto where like to me, like, you know, it was, I, I, it was just to me, it was something that I like, it made me laugh. And I'm like, I wouldn't mind having the ape like twerking like that will make me laugh. And every time I see him post stuff, I always I always laugh um, and smile at like the stuff he posts. And like, I was like, wow, like this is crazy. This is crazy because this is exactly like the promise of crypto, right? Like you're changing somebody's life. Like to me, it wasn't that big of a deal, but to him, like it, it was something that was life-changing for him. You know, now he has like a group of collectors. He uh, is starting, he, he drops something uh, pretty much like every day or every other day. And like, it sells out pretty quickly. And he just started another project yesterday. And like, you know, this is a creator that, you know, maybe, you know, five years ago, if he made these Turkey Pepe's, there was no way for him to monetize it or turn it into like a full-time business, right? So the fact that he was able to monetize it and able to, you know, kind of make some income off of it and possibly turn it into a career, like to me, that's like awesome, right? Like that's why, like, that's one of the promises of NFTs, right? And he has a great collector base now and, you know, I'm super pumped for him, right? And like that to me, is like worth more than like all the money that you know you can make trading nfts and stuff like that because it's literally you changing somebody's life that's awesome yeah i, I was shocked to hear you say the turkey pepe not now you're eight but after hearing the backstory i'm like well okay that that's a way better story than than you know just just buying a cool CryptoPunk uh ape for sure but that's awesome all right what is your most controversial thought relating to nfts my most controversial thought is probably that, you know, we're going to be in a massive bubble if we're not there yet. And that, you know, you can probably expect asset prices to go down like 90 to 99% at some point, uh, you know, in at the end of this cycle. I mean, I don't know how controversial that is, but I mean, it's just one of those things I think that people have to... Uh, to comprehend and understand when you're buying things, right? It's like people always say that you buy art that you like. Um, just make sure that you're buying things that you like and that you're willing to hold for the long term uh, because there is, you know, especially in illiquid markets, there's probably a high probability that it will go below the price you paid and go down below that price significantly. Okay, so let's pretend that Tradify just kept booming for the next, like, let's call it three years. And so crypto kept booming for the next three years. And then, so do you think that NFTs could pop even even with both macro tra traditional finance markets doing well and crypto markets doing well? Or do you think that it, it'll be due to like a crypto crash that the NFT bubble will pop? Yeah, I think the NFT bubble will pop when you see the macro trade pop. Uh, I think they're super correlated. And the reason why I think I like NFTs more than pretty much 
every other macro trade out there is because every the NFT market is so much smaller than even, let's say, the Bitcoin market, which is obviously smaller than the gold market, which is obviously so smaller than the TradFi market of like, you know, traditional stocks, is that every incremental dollar that goes into um, this space will be will be that much more impactful, right? Because as a percentage of of, let's say, the GDP of of NFTs, one dollar is significantly more than you know, the GDP of, of equities worldwide. Totally. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. All right. If you could snap your fingers and instantly change or improve one thing in the NFT space, what would it be? Uh, I think it would be uh, to kind of like, you know, I, I've been hearing of a lot of people that are coming into the space. And like the first thing they say is like, yeah, like how can I make as much money as possible? Like from like the creator slash um, celebrity influencer perspective, and, you know, that's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you're just like trying to take advantage of like your fans that like adore you. Right. So uh, that's probably the one thing I would change is like if if I can get only people that want to build an ecosystem that want to build, let's say, a relationship with their fans, because I think that that's one of the beautiful things that NFTs have allowed creators and uh, and and these artists to do is you're you're be able you're able to interact with your collectors and your fan base on a much more intimate level that wasn't allowed before and i think if i could get more people to understand that like i'd be super happy with that all right last question where do you see the world of nfts in three years um wow i would i'd see it much more developed i would love to see like i guess some sort of more uh interactive metaverse right like the central land crypto voxels type stuff where we're um interacting in them more you know like and i keep telling people where it's like this like this is the worst that it's gonna be like this is like playing super mario brothers in you know 1987 you know where you're trying to save the princess like the experience is only going to get better from here so like i'm super excited about that you know, there's probably going to be a, a ton of stuff that I can't even imagine that's coming down the pipeline. And to me, that's like amazing, too. Like that, that makes me excited. And, you know, that's why I love being involved in the space. This has just been an, an awesome conversation. I love talking everything about uh, the markets, you know, hearing about your, your background and hearing about your experience in traditional finance is, is really, really cool, because I think you're, you're absolutely correct. There's a lot that applies, you know, same market psychology in these markets. And uh, yeah, you know, if people want to find out more about yourself, talk to you, where should they go and what should they do? Uh, yeah, the best way to reach out to me is uh, on Twitter at GMoneyNFT. And, you know, feel free you know, follow me. I, I try to post insightful things and feel free to reach out if you have any questions because I'm always down to talk and, you know, I'm always in a bunch of discord. So, you know, but probably the best way to get in touch with me is uh, through Twitter. Awesome. All right. Thanks, GMoney. And looking forward to our next conversation. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Hey everyone, stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.